It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, I'm Andy Levy, former Fox News and CNN HLN guy and current cable news conscientious objector. I'm a former libertarian who now sits pretty comfortably on the left. Hi, I'm Danielle Moody, former educator and recovering lobbyist. But today, I'm an unapologetic, woke commentator on America's threats to democracy. And I'm producer Jesse Cannon, and I'm here to make sure things don't go too far off the rails. We're here to have fun, smart conversations with some of the most knowledgeable and entertaining people in politics, media, and beyond. Our goal is to try and make sense of our current crazy world, our new abnormal, and hopefully even make you laugh through the tears. Hello, and welcome to another Sunday bonus episode of The New Abnormal. And we thank you so much for being here. Today, we have an extra special guest with Josh Gondelman, who's a writer and comedian who's worked on shows like Last Week Tonight with John Oliver and The Late Jesus and Marrow. And he's going to talk to us about politics and his upcoming stand-up tour. But first, let's have some fun. Are you guys ready to listen to some clips? Clips! Clips! Okay, so this is a themed episode. So there's this political theory I've been hearing going around that one of the reasons the Republicans failed to have a red wave and keep losing is that centrists and independent voters that we always hear about, there's some evidence that they often vote against who they view as the big freak and the weirdo. And um, I think the Republicans are kind of winning that race against the Democrats these days. So today I've assembled a cabinet of horrors from all from this week to show just how big of freaks they are. So first we're going to start with Florida Republican Representative of Webster Barnaby, Come on. who directly compared trans people to mutants and X-Men. I'm, I'm looking at society today, and it's like I'm watching an X-Men movie uh, with people that, when you watch the X-Men movies for Marvel comics, it's like we have mutants living among us on planet Earth. And, you know, some people don't like that, but that's a fact. We have people that live among us today on planet Earth that are happy to display themselves as if they were mutants from another planet. This is the planet Earth where God created men, male and women, female. I'm a proud Christian conservative Republican. I'm not on the fence. There are so many things here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One, I love X-Men even more now <laughs> because, yeah, we are on Earth One. I don't know where Webster is on Earth Two. And you know what I love when he said that proudly want to display. You mean proudly live in their own fucking skin? You mean proudly walk through the streets and live their own lives and want to be unbothered by people like you, sir? Take your ass to Mars, too. Take Go to Earth, too. Like, I, I just, I'm so sick and tired. Like, where God created, blah, blah. Everybody doesn't believe in your same God. Everybody doesn't read from your same Bible of evil and despair. So mutants, whatever, X-Men, fantastic. They all have special powers. They're all really fucking cool. I love it. They're also the good guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the heroes. How does he not realize that he sounds like 
the bad guys <laughs> in the X-Men comics and X-Men movies. Yeah. They're the ones that say there are mutants among us and act like they're evil and then they, you know, get turned into jellyfish. Remember? So good. <laughs> but he is literally casting himself as the bad guy here and he doesn't realize it. So there's that. Second of all, he talks about mutants from other planets. That's aliens. Aliens are from other planets. Mutants are humans <laughs> who have uh, mutated genes. That's why they're called mutants. Correct. So get your shit right. And then, uh, Danielle, I have to correct you. You talked about Earth 1 and Earth 2. That's DC Comics. Oh, I'm sorry. In the Marvel Universe... Uh, the Jesus Marvel Universe Christ. in the comics takes place on Earth 616. 616. 616. Okay. Is the main universe. I cannot believe I'm having to spend this entire episode correcting people <laughs> on comic book <laughs> mythology and comic book lore. This yes. is just, this is unforgivable. I think that you should take up um, a piece of legislation and correct him <laughs> on the floor <laughs> immediately. I just can't get past the fact that he is the bad guy and he <laughs> doesn't realize it. It's unreal. All right. Listeners, I'm sorry. I clearly failed at my job and I let this get off the rails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this next freak is a young man who goes by new founding father, Ethan Schmidt. He has a twisty incel beard and I'll be shocked to tell you that he's been arrested harassing trans people before and is an unhinged Trump worshiper. Let's hear about how he wants to run the country and uh, brace yourselves, guys. The problem he cited is a little weird. New founding father, Ethan Schmidt. And an issue has recently came to my attention. Uh, not many people talk about and that's the issue of women owning dogs, okay? You know, if a single woman, you know, owns a dog, that is a major red flag. Major red flag. You know, every woman I've ever seen that single and has a dog, especially a male dog, um, you know, they have no control over the dog, okay? It's super weird, super cringe. You know, it should be outlawed in the United States. We need to pass legislation against this. You know, it's super weird, super cringe. You know, I've been attacked multiple times by, you know, female, you know, dog owners, like, by their dogs. Their dogs have attacked me multiple times. Can't count how many times. Super cringe, super weird, major red flag. You know, women should not be able to own dogs in the United States unless they're married. Then we can make exceptions, but we need to pass some legislation against this. And this will be one of the first, you know, laws passed, sort of many, to abolish women's rights in the United States. Women have too many rights in the United States. That's why we're going, you know, downhill quick. Uh, you know, when talk outlawing women from owning dogs, we need to outlaw women in politics, outlaw women in positions of political power, corporate power. Uh, Outlaw women in the military, outlaw women in the police force, but uh, plenty of other, plenty of other things too. Uh, yeah, let's start there. New founding fathers, Ethan Schmidt, make America great again, again. Um, <laughs> is he like an incel? Like, is he like one of those guys? So, Danielle, I actually tried to fact check if he was a groiper or an incel but you know sadly the internet didn't quite lead me to uh this evidence uh, of either one but he, he looks and sounds the part is what i will say i mean he looks and sounds like he has never had sex and will never have sex if in fact his choice is with a woman it's almost comical 
in its like in its ridiculousness but then when you realize there are full communities of men that are like this it's sick this guy clearly has tried to harass multiple women and luckily for the women some of them have had dogs who have then attacked him and that's why he doesn't think women should have dogs i'm not even joking here like i when when you sit there and say i've been attacked multiple times by by women's dogs that's what that means yes. mm-hmm. that means you were harassing the shit out of them and their dogs were like get the fuck out of here you incel asshole and he doesn't want women to own dogs. He probably doesn't think women should be allowed to own mace or whistles or other things that might harm his chances of harassing them. Yeah, I mean, the shit's funny, except when you realize that, you know, by 2028, this could be in the in the Republican Party platform. You never know which one of these people is going to get picked by Trump when he's picking Laura Loomer to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, my God. What a loser. Loser. I just think it this way. Like, this is clearly uh, making policy by bad dates. And, yes. you know, if I, if I was a new founding father and that was the case, astrology would have been bad, bad a long time ago. All right, on to the next freak show. Senator Mike Mood of Missouri here is the weirdo arguing with Rep Crossley. You'll hear who is called Rep Crossley is the good guy calling him out here for this absolute freak show behavior. Talk about parents' rights to raise their kids how they want. In fact, I just double checked. You voted no on making it illegal for kids to be married to adults at the age of 12 if their parents consented to it. You said, actually, that should be the law because it's the parents' right and the kids' right to decide what's best for them, to be raped by an adult. Mm -mm. Okay? Do you know any kids who have been married at age 12? That was the law. You You voted not to change it. Do you know any kids who have been married at age 12? I I, I don't need to. I do. Uh, And guess what? They're still married. Gentlemen. (sighs) Oh. (laughs) My. God. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let me let me just let's let me just tick off something real quick. So <laughs> Republicans are rolling back child protection laws, you know, in terms of the workforce. Right. They're rolling back laws for marriage. They are banning comprehensive sex ed. They're closing libraries. And now they want children to be able to get married at the age of 12. Like, what fucking century are these people living in? And who the fuck do you know that was married at 12? And guess what? They're still married. What is wrong with you? Oh, my God. I'm so disgusted. Basically, they just said that, like, pedophilia is good. And that's okay. That's what they've that's what they've said. As long as the marriage lasts. As long as the marriage lasts and she starts pushing out babies right after she started her menstruation, which, by the way, we can also talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Which, by the way, is banned from being talked about. God, I'm going to have to beep you a Danielle. I think there's a word for people, particularly for a girl who somehow got married to an adult at age 12 and is still married to them. And that word isn't wife, it's prisoner. Or child bride. This is beyond insane. And the amazing thing is, you you know, you ticked off all those things, Danielle. And then the Republicans will sit there and wonder why young people vote against them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's what's amazing to me is they'll sit there and go, oh, and then they blame it on indoctrination mm-hmm. in colleges. And it's like, no, it's the fact that you want 14-year-olds to be working in factories and married to you. (laughs) Like, oh my God. 
you know, or, you know, that's assuming they survive whatever school shooting they have to go through. So it's just like, figure your shit out. Like Young people don't vote for you for a lot of reasons. And all those reasons are called your policies. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. One last freak show. Nebraska State Senator John Lowe. He thinks he's got this abortion argument all figured out. Checkmate libs. Can't wait to share this mic drop moment. Let's see if anyone agrees. With a brand new baby in her womb. Marrying her new baby in her womb, she approaches Elizabeth, and John is in Elizabeth's womb. And the Holy Spirit is communicated in some miraculous, incredible way from the womb of the Virgin Mary in Jesus Christ himself to the womb of Elizabeth, John the Baptist, and John leapt. And that is why abortion is clearly evil. (laughs) And that is why abortion is clearly evil. Oh my God. Not, not often you see the laughter after saying something stupid in a government body, but should happen more often. Oh my God. I just want to point out that this was not in, you know, New York or some other godless place. This was in Nebraska. <laughs> they were laughing at him in Nebraska. You know, I know that Nikki Haley had wanted to institute like a fitness test, right? Like right. a mental fitness <laughs> test. But you do realize that. These people have to take no test or certification other than like shaking babies and kissing hands. Like they don't have to do anything to prove their fitness for office. And it shows. <laughs> it, it, it fucking shows. That, that reminds me of when Rick Scott uh, thought he was going to get rid of all the welfare in the country because he thought everybody was on drugs and then everybody's passing the drug tests. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. whoops, my assumption was wrong. And I think Nikki Haley's <laughs> assumption is uh, that it's Democrats who are going to be failing that when uh, high. <laughs> God, we are in such a bad place as a country, though, when an elected official can get up and tell a story from the Bible and then say that's why abortion should be illegal. Like, that is just, that is not what this country is supposed to be. They want a theocracy so badly, and I really wish they would just go somewhere else. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or I prefer Don't you? That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows. I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will, because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands, from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. My guest today is a writer and comedian who's worked on shows like Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, The Late Lamented Jesus and Mero, and is a regular on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. He's also been popping up on MSNBC a lot lately as he becomes political in his own old age. <laughs> He's also famous for giving pep talks on Twitter, though I don't think I've ever gotten one, and has expanded that to Substack, where he writes the newsletter That's Marvelous. Please give a warm round of applause for the very funny Mr. Josh Gondelman. Thank you. Thank you for the lovely. We'll add the applause in post. Oh, I am. I assume everybody is individually applauding at home and I feel that warmth. Yes, they are. But we'll drop it in as right as like a, so they know that everyone else is clapping as well. Exactly. Perfect. So thanks for being here. We're a political podcast, so I want to start with some political questions. And then depending on how well you do, we'll move on to other stuff. OK, perfect. My first question is, it's a fill in the blank. George Washington was the blank of our country. First president. Well, that's true. We were looking for father, father of our country. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know if this was like your right or wrong answers or if it was more of a Rorschach. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Uh, The second question is sort of a A or B, a multiple choice question. In Federalist number 39, did James Madison say that the proposed U.S. Constitution was a national or a federal constitution? Oh, that's a great question. A national or a federal constitution? Federal. Well, the correct answer is a composition of both. Okay. Okay. It's, so it's an option, an option C, which I was not. Well, it was it was a bit of a trick question. Okay. 
Okay. But uh, I'll move on to actual questions now. I joked about you popping up on MSNBC because you've become political in your old age. <laughs> yeah. But that's not really true. You wrote for John Oliver, which is an explicitly political show. And you were the head writer for Jesus and Marrow, which certainly, you know, touched on political and cultural hot button issues. What would you say formed your political beliefs? I believe you're sort of center right. I always think of you as the Mitt Romney of comedy. <laughs> Well, you know, I did grow up in Mitt Romney's Massachusetts yes. uh, with Romney Care, his <laughs> radical socialist healthcare <laughs> program that he has since disavowed. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that's part of it. I grew up in Massachusetts. I graduated high school in 2003, and I imagine a lot of people my age kind of were formed very like the the crucible of their political awakening in any direction was how they reacted to like the political fallout after September 11th. Right. I feel like the kind of paths generally the A and B paths available were like, well, we've got to do everything that we can to keep the country safe. And then the other path being like, well, I think we're infringing on quite a lot of civil liberties for the sake of like government surveillance and political theater. I went closer to that path. I feel like every time I take off my shoes at the airport. I grumble like, this wasn't even about 9-11. This was a different thing. And we're still just doing it. No, right. trying to think sense. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I feel like it went pretty early with me. And then I think I've kind of drifted leftward since then even. Yeah. As a lot of us have. Yeah. I mean, those are two amazing shows. Thank you. It was really a, a great joy and a privilege to be like a small part of both of them for, for quite some time. Well, that's the thing. Were you like honored to be part of two amazing shows or do you think they were two amazing shows because you were part of them? <laughs> Definitely the first one. Okay. I mean, like there are moments that I feel really proud of my specific contributions that I'm like, ooh, I really think that I added to the show in this way. But definitely more than anything, it's like such a group effort and such a wonderful two staffs and, and hosts that were so talented and are so talented that it was just like a real thrill to get to be a little part of these big projects. And I do a lot of stand up and I, you know, I kind of feel like that is where I get to just kind of say the things that I want to say that are funny to me. Right. And then I, that gives me extra perspective that like being a part of a big staff is such a team effort. And that like, you know, an individual writer can bring a lot to the table and a writing staff brings so much to the show, but it takes everyone from like the PAs and the studio crew, the camera ops, the rights and clearances people, the post team who like feeds the show to the network. And you go, damn, this is like even more people than you think of. Oh yeah. And that's the spectrum, right? That's the end of the spectrum of like, wow, every single person who touches this really makes an imprint. And then the other end of the spectrum is the person you meet on the street that goes, oh, I didn't know John Oliver had writers. I thought he just kind of sat down and said <laughs> right, that. Right. And you're like, okay, I guess I will drink poison. <laughs> How would you compare the two shows? I don't, I don't mean in terms of quality. I'm not trying to trap you or anything here. No, no, no. I understand. They were 180 degrees different as a work experience, but I think they were really both at the core kind of built around the unique voices and perspective of the hosts. Right. And I think that's really special. And I think like John Oliver being on HBO now, HBO Max, I think, and Jesus and Mero having been on Showtime, there's a little less corporate pressure, you know, it's a little less like, 
man, you can't show an old guy's penis and gray pubes, which is what something that last week tonight did, I think episode three for like a straight on shot of some of this old guy's junk. And like, you can do that. There has to be an ad for Subway right after this. <laughs> so it was like really fun to get to work on these shows where the host got to do this like fairly crystalline version of like the show they wanted to make with input again from writers and producers of like, oh, we think this would would work and we think this is the way to do it. But there wasn't a lot of like, OK, now we have to do a, a brand integration for Boston Dynamics new murder robots. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it feels like Jesus and Mero was a much looser show, but I'm also aware that that could be because they're both so good at making it seem that way. No, it was incredibly freewheeling, okay. I think is the word you would use. Uh, they were so good at generating that. And part of it is because they were both so good off the cuff. And, and the show was really designed to like let them drive in that way and put them in positions where they can be as comfortable and natural as possible with like the stimulus that we're providing and the structure that we're providing. And then to edit everything down so it kind of feels like, Oh, they did this all in one take in four minutes. Right. And, you know, it is a lot of one take. Like we weren't doing a ton of pickups. We weren't like, can you get that joke cleaner? Like, I think one of the joys of the show was like little mistakes that would be corrected on the floor. And you would hear like Julia Young, who is a, the producer that ran the, the playback on the clips and everything. Her being like, no, that was a different movie than you're talking about. And then Jesus and Mero like realizing and laughing is like was such a joy to see on TV, I think, like that kind of push and pull and like how the sausage is made. And then if you zoom back out, there's like an additional level of like, OK, how much of that do we include? How much of that do we take out and make it look more seamless? And like that was such a fun kind of like toggling and twiddling of dials to get it to a point where it felt like really special and spontaneous. But also we used the, like all the tools at our disposal to make it feel as smooth and clean because you couldn't just show exactly what we recorded. It would take too much airtime. Right. Um, so it was great to get to have that balance and like a really fun challenge. And, and when I say 180 degrees, the opposite work experience from last week tonight, the difference between Jesus and Mero sitting down and just like riffing so generatively based on prompts and like bits that the writers and producers provided for them. And that was so different than John who sits down and Jeremy Hardwick, who I think is an AD over there will go, we're about 15 seconds heavy. We need to get under by 15 seconds. And John will just go, okay. And then he'll talk 15 seconds faster uh -huh. over the course of half <laughs> an hour. And it's, it's like truly machine like yeah. in, in a very different way. Yeah. Also, my understanding of John Oliver is from talking to other people who've worked there he, that he has a place, I don't know if it's right on the set or in the back called The Hole, and any writer that he's displeased with has to go down there for like 12 to 24 hours. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're actually, I don't want to tip too much. I have a lot of friends that are still working there, but they are doing like a 17 minute in-depth story about the whole and how that qualifies as psychological torture and how wow. actually it should be, it's constitutionally outlawed, but but John found a loophole in the constitution to continue throwing writers in it. Well, because he's British. Yeah, that's it. The whole is actually the British embassy to the last week tonight office. <laughs> right, it's British territory. Yeah. Yeah. So they can treat prison, American prisoners a lot more cruelly. No, it's lovely. Do you trust him to cover that impartially? <laughs> you know, he's really good at his job. Okay. All right. No, but it's it, it was uh, really great. He's a very kind and thoughtful boss and like a very thoughtful 
comedian and it really like he and tim carvel who's an executive producer there and had been a head writer at the daily show i really learned so much from them about like how to create comedy that says the thing that you want it to say and doesn't like necessarily you know doesn't have a lot of collateral damage that you don't intend I think like working with intent is like a real gift that they both have and they cultivate through like incredibly hard work that they do. Oh, that's that's great. Would you say that either or both of the shows sort of, you know, we we talked earlier about how your politics were sort of formed, but do you think working on either of those shows sort of affected your political outlooks, changed your political outlooks, made you more aware of things? And by politics here, I'm also including like cultural stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just definitely I think that especially at last week tonight, just kind of going deeply into stuff like criminal justice reform and policing, I got to look at those topics on a level that I wasn't necessarily like diving in as deeply just in my own reading. And I think like stuff like that where you go, oh, all this stuff that's considered kind of like unimpeachable evidence, for example, in in court, you're like, oh, that's just kind of like made up like that kind of ballistics analysis where it's like largely kind of, yeah, yeah, blood spatter, especially is like very fudged. It's a lot of like, oh, it must've come from over there. And you're like, okay. And, And so that kind of thing, I think I really looked at in a more granular level and like peeling back a lot of received wisdom. And then with Jesus and Marrow, I think just like hearing their kind of unfiltered, unmediated responses and like their react to to news and, and very thoughtful, but not kind of run through the same like, well, can we justify saying this through a period of four weeks of rigorous research <laughs> right, and analysis, but right. them just being like, no, 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 this is what I've seen. And this is how I've experienced it. And this is what it is. And this is like the gut reaction really felt like, oh, this is something that I am really grateful to have been close to. Like they're kind of sincere and specific responses to things. I thought that was really cool to see them being very honest on TV in that way and like very unfiltered at times. And and that really brought another perspective to it, just seeing like what these two guys who were, you know, people of color who grew up in the Bronx, their like gut reaction to something like the presidential election or like the, the I mentioned the Boston Dynamics robots being like deployed in New York right. and that kind of like just hearing them talk about that is like, this is my day to day as like a person of color walking through New York City and this is my response to it. And when I say gut reaction, I don't mean like thoughtless. I just mean like it, it doesn't have to be the result of kind of, well, we looked at all the studies. They're just like, no, motherfucker, I know they're going right. to like make a dog, a robot dog yeah. jump at me. Yeah. So you're one of those weirdos that thinks that interacting with people from various backgrounds and stuff like that might give you new perspectives on things. <laughs> You're one of those woke weirdos. I'm one of those. I'm one of those freaks, man. I'm a hippie. That's me. I'm one of those woke hippie freak weirdos <laughs> that thinks you can learn from people that have had different experiences than you. I don't mean to go too far out on a limb. No, you, well, you know, we can edit it out. It's a, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Do you broach politics in your stand-up? Because I maybe maybe I'm completely mistaken here. I don't remember it being a huge part of your act. Am, am I wrong? And if so, can you just be polite and pretend I'm not? <laughs> well, my my special that came out last year in 2022, People Pleaser, it's not especially political, right. not topical at all, really. And part of that was I was doing stand-up in person for the first time, like live stand-up dates for the first time in like a year and a half. And I'd been working in rooms where like when I had political stuff that I wanted to 
inject into conversation, I would pitch it for TV. And like maybe if something, excuse me, didn't make it to air, I would kind of scoop it back up. But I think I, I hadn't been doing a lot of topical standup because I hadn't been on stage that much. Right. My previous like audio only albums, there's a little more topical stuff on it. And in a lot of ways, I'm like very glad that it's there. But in other ways, it really does kind of date the albums a little bit, which is like fun because it's like, hey, here's this is this year and my or this three year period in which I was generating this new hour. And and these are the things that I was thinking of and kind of the world I was swimming through that helped, you know, inform this material. And then this new hour that I'm touring with now is like a little less political. I just find the speed at which politics moves, unless you have such a good bit about like Roe versus Wade in the Supreme Court, et cetera. It just like, I don't spend a ton of time working on topical material that like in three weeks, you're going to have to go like, okay, remember right. <laughs> to the audience, right. like, remember when this happened, right. like, unless you're talking about something that's so big or so obscure that you're just generating that context night after night, just to like bring people up to speed anyway, it feels like you're building a sandcastle as the tide is about to reach high tide, you know, and you're like, so I, but I do have on in this new hour, I have like a pretty fair amount of stuff that I talk about that feels relevant to culture and and like discourse, let's say, as it's happening. You know, I have a bit that I've been working on about having an ex from years and years ago who recently transitioned and the kind of our relationship now and how that's changed it and like why it has or hasn't changed our relationship as friends. And I try to do that in a way that is like both fun and funny to present to audiences, but also really like compassionate and generous and fair to this person who is in my life. And on top of that represents the issue of like transitioning, you know, and gender affirming care in a way that is not ridiculing. So I think it's like, I I always start from kind of like, here's what I've been up to. And then sometimes, I mean, a lot of the time, I think that intersects with like, here's where culture is. And like, this is my thoughts on it from me, like a dumbass who doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Right. But don't, wouldn't it be easier to just make cheap and hacky jokes about it? There's certainly a lane for that. I'm not good at that. And by that, I don't mean, oh, I'm, I have too much integrity to be right. hacked. By that, I mean, I have no idea what people like. And so I just do the thing that I like. I truly, I like, there are moments where I'm like, oh, this is not cruel, but like, this is my play at, at a project that I want to work on that I think is like going to be a big crowd pleasing sellouty maneuver. And then people are like, oh, we don't like that. And I'm like, well, I might as well do what makes me laugh. And... <laughs> uh, that's, so, that's so funny. Speaking of not knowing what people like, how do you rate Trump as a comedian? Apart from the fact that he's a clear and present danger to America and the world. Yeah. A, a monster, like a cruel person. And like, yeah, separate the art from the artist, Josh. There were moments, there still are, that he, there was something that he posted on Truth Social that got shared on Twitter that I like laughed out loud at where I'm like, man, this guy, I think there are moments where he is very funny, which is unfortunate yes. because he is like truly his existence in the world endangers so many people in America, internationally. <laughs> the psychology of his own immediate family is is always at risk the, the longer he is around torturing them. <laughs> but there were a couple moments. I mean, the one that really got me, and maybe I'm misremembering it, like maybe this is Mandela effect or I'm, I'm retconning it. Although I do feel we're just using Nelson Mandela and Donald Trump in the same sentence. <laughs> but during an early Republican debate in late 2015, early 2016, Jeb Bush said something about like, 
my brother kept our country safe for eight years. And Trump kind of went, I mean, well, there was the, uh, you know, <laughs> and it like, I was like, God, what an indecorous, rude. It, it just like really felt like outside of the way people talk about politics. Right. I was like, what a brutal like Jeb Bush should have just walked off the stage after that, <laughs> just being like, I have been exposed as a, a charlatan and a clown. <laughs> Before I let you go, you're hitting the road later this month. I'm doing like, it's going to be 20 something cities in the next five ish months. And I'm really excited. I did kind of the first leg of this tour September through January, and then have been mostly home for the last couple of months. And then I go, it's like, Wilmington, North Carolina in April, and then May is Spokane, Seattle, Philadelphia, and then June, I'm I, I like, I'm all over the Southeast, and I'm go going down through California where I haven't toured in a while, and I'm just like really excited. My hope is to record this new hour in the fall, and so I'm really like hitting the road hard and, and fleshing it out and trying to make sure that it speaks to people all around the country but still feels like the things that I want to say when I'm like in my cozy alternative comedy venues in Brooklyn. <laughs> well, catch Josh if you can. He's one of the best standups out there. Follow him on Twitter. Check out That's Marvelous on Substack. Josh, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. This is a blast. Thanks for talking to me. Hope you enjoyed checking out this episode of The New Abnormal. We're back every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend and keep the conversation going. This podcast is a Daily Beast production with production by Jesse Cannon and Seamus Calder. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.